Welcome to Tuesday. It's good to have you here. Uh, where do you suppose Stacey Peterson is right about now? Because it's been over a decade since she vanished and, you know, just left four little kids behind and a beloved sister and a husband she wanted to divorce. Husband by the name of Drew Peterson, a man who I was able to speak to in the maximum security prison. And the answer to that question, where do you suppose Stacey Peterson is? <laughs> that is a bit jaw-dropping. Frankly, preposterously jaw-dropping. I've got more of that exclusive interview for you tonight. You're going to want to watch this because he even calls himself a whore. Okay. Importantly, the pastor that Stacey Peterson confided in hinted that she knew what happened to Drew's third wife. He's live with me tonight. He's going to react to the things that Drew Peterson said in jail. Also, have you seen the documentary about Wendy Williams? It's called, Where is Wendy Williams? And frankly, that's the question I'm left with. Where is that unbelievable woman that we all fell in love with on her talk show? This is the woman who's being depicted in the documentary that just dropped that is causing a massive stir. People are livid that this is how we're going to remember Wendy Williams. But I think people might have it wrong. I think they might be wrong. They might be mad at the wrong people. Don't blame the people who have the cameras. Blame the person who was mandated by the state to guard her, called a guardian, a guardian who is supposed to look after Wendy, even protect her from herself, which is clear in this video she needs. She needs protecting from herself. It is a tragic, tragic documentary. She is a fraction of what she used to be and not the person that we should be seeing at this time. So where was the guardian? Where was the Guardian when Wendy herself signed on as an executive producer wanting cameras to document her comeback? Where was the Guardian? Isn't that where the blame should lie? I have an expert, the person who wrote the book about when guardianships fail. That's coming in just a moment. And then also, he used to sit outside and watch the people come and go through the apartment complex. And one of those people was out for a run five days ago. Her name was Lakin Riley. She ran right past him to her running spot. And then she was dead within hours. Neighbors at the apartment complex were the man arrested for the murder of this nursing student at University of Georgia campus. They say they saw as he stashed bloody clothes and evidence in the dumpsters behind the apartment. Here's the man. Where's the video? We have the answers tonight. All that coming in just a moment, but let's start here. It's been more than 16 years since anyone has seen or heard from Stacey Ann Peterson. In fact, if she's alive, which nobody except her jailed husband is claiming, she would be 40 years old today. When she went missing in the fall of 2007, she was just 23, but already the mother of four kids, the two kids that she had with Drew Peterson, and Drew's other two kids whom she adopted when Peterson's previous wife, wife number three, died just months after their divorce was final. That wife number three was named Kathleen Savio, and this Friday is the 20th anniversary of Kathy's death. The death that was at first deemed accidental, but reinvestigated after wife number four, Stacy, vanished. 
That husband, Drew Peterson, a former Chicago area police officer, was convicted of Kathy's murder. He was sentenced to 38 years in prison, which very likely means life because he's 70 today. He is not the picture of health. He's certainly not vibrant like this, this guy that used to ride past the press and smile and laugh and give interviews all the time. I witnessed the demise of this guy, like he's kind of just imploding in on himself. I witnessed it. And if you tuned in here last night, you saw it too in our exclusive prison interview with Drew Peterson. And as for wife number four, Stacy, she is still officially a missing person. And Drew is still a suspect, but only a suspect in whatever it was that happened to Stacy. But here's what we do know about Stacy's disappearance. She had just told Drew Peterson she wanted out of that marriage. And we know she'd been working towards her nursing degree. But from the start, Peterson claimed Stacy just up and left, ran off with another man, leaving all those kids behind and her beloved sister, which is why Stacy's family never believed that. And Stacy's sister, Cassandra Kales, has never, ever stopped searching for her. So when I sat down with Drew Peterson last week, behind bars in his maximum security prison, I asked him about all of that. And his answer was bewildering. He's now suggesting that Stacy didn't just up and run off with another man. No, instead, she's hiding out at her sister's house. The same sister who has spent 16 years looking for her. Is it your position that, well, what do you, what do you think happened to Stacy? Where is she? She ran off. She had a sister in California who particularly didn't care for me, and she wanted her to stay out there when, the, when she went out there for a visit. And she could be there. She could be anywhere. She's a young, beautiful girl. There are not too many guys would not want to take care of her and be with her. So best way is to disappear. She had two children with you and two children she adopted. Right. She had four children. You're saying she would just run off and never, ever contact them? Tell me that's never happened before. It's unusual. It's unusual, but does it like happen? Like extraordinarily unusual. Does it happen? Very rarely. Okay, it happens. And the sister, um, she was very close with her sister. Are you saying she disappeared from her children and from her sister because she ran off? From her family, yeah. Which sister? Uh, Cassandra. Very so, close with Cassandra. Cassandra didn't particularly care for me because I was very blunt with her with the things she was doing and how she was acting. And I really didn't want Stacy involved in the things that Cassandra was doing. So if Stacy ran off, why would she have no contact with the sister that she had such a close relationship with? Or did she have contact with her sister? Her sister's lying about it. Well, her sister's looking for Stacy's body. Part of the part of the show. What 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 would there be a need for any show? You're locked up. I don't know, but that's how they are. They have they have to have people believe them. It's important for people to believe them to them. So Cassandra is spending tens of thousands of dollars searching the bottom of the Illinois-Michigan Canal with okay. sonar equipment for no reason because Stacy's at her she's house? Still, she's still doing that? Does that not sort of fly in the face that Stacy's somehow hiding out at her home? Is Cassandra still doing that? That's what I'm telling you. She's still to this day doing it. That's what I'm telling you. Well, I'm telling you, then it's not 
If she's in that canal, I didn't put her there. Do you have any hope that the children you share with Stacy might see their mother again? I'm hoping she pops up, because if she pops up, then uh, it'll clear a lot of things up for me. Yeah, but it's not the first thing that came across your mind. Yeah, it is. I was formulating an answer for you. <laughs> Do you think we'll one day see Stacy alive somewhere? I hope. I hope you do. Because it will... give credibility to things I've been saying. What are the chances? Who knows? All I can do is hope. Of course, all those hopes are about him. How it would help his case and not necessarily his children or Stacy's family. You know, they might want to see their mom. Stacy's family might want to see her. Even more interesting, the first time I asked him what he hoped for earlier in the interview, his answer had absolutely nothing to do with Stacy. He said he hoped uh, some sort of new law would spring him out of prison, like magic, I guess. But Drew Peterson has an ugly history with all of his wives, and again, he has had four of them. There is a documented pattern of abuse, of abuse and affairs, including a span of two years where police came to his home 18 different times for domestic disturbances. His third wife, Kathleen, even had an order of protection from the courts. But here's how Peterson explains all that away. So I've heard a few complaints from you about people not wanting to listen to you. you you're feeling forgotten. Right. I'm here to give you that uh, opportunity to get up on the stand and tell me your story. Tell me why it is that the jury got it wrong the last time around and what you would say on the stand in a new trial. I think the jury got caught up in the media. And uh, the more I said, no, I didn't do it, I could have stomped my feet and yelled, but the very calm I said, I didn't do it. They don't want to listen. Nobody wants to listen. Nobody believes you. So it's just like, okay. How would you refute the evidence if you were on the stand today? Well, I'd like to see it analyzed better. And it's like a, a very, a case I thought was coincidental. You know, just, uh, she died, we were having marital problems, so it's just like, uh, I've heard a lot of things said like, oh, why didn't he kill the first two wives? You know, why didn't this happen? Why didn't that happen? And it's just like they're, uh, hell-bent on wanting to believe. People want to believe a cop's bad. It's juicier. It's got, I don't know, juice to it. You know what I'm saying? How do you answer to the fact that there was infidelity from one wife to the next wife to the next wife to the fourth wife? Yes. How do you answer to that not being problematic? I was a whore. I can say. I mean, I enjoyed women. I enjoyed young women. And uh, I went out with a lot of women. And was I unfaithful in my marriages? Yes. Am I proud of that? No. It just what came up, how it was. Did you have a sexual relationship with Stacy when you met her? Yes. Right away? Pretty quick. She was 16. She was 17. You met her at 16. I, my knowledge, my relationship with her was didn't start till after she was 17. 
that's legal. The other problematic issue is that you were um, alleged to have abused almost all of your wives. There were, I think, uh, 18 domestic disturbances in the span of about two years. How do you answer to that? A domestic disturbance doesn't mean you were abusing somebody. It means you were having a confrontation and it got out of hand. They were yelling and screaming and somebody called the police. So, uh, uh, some of my wives were very combative. So it's just like, uh, I don't want to say they didn't want to put up with my bullshit, but they didn't want to put up with my bullshit. Your wives were the only ones combative? Within my home relationships? You said some of my wives were combative. Were you combative? No, I was just very arrogant with my confrontations with them. I wouldn't fight if I remained calm. So were, were these domestic disturbances, 18 of them, all your wives' faults? Well, they're the ones that probably called. I wouldn't call the police. Was the disturbance the fault of your wives only, not you? I'd say, yeah. But that's, all 18? Well, that's my... That's my point of it. Everybody's got a different point of view of... Two people fight. There's two, you're going to have two points of view of how it started and who's at fault. But 18. Okay. That's a lot. Sure. Does it sound reasonable to I, you I mean, to suggest that all 18 were someone else's fault? No, it doesn't. Throughout our interview, no matter what the problem was, it wasn't Peterson's fault. His wives were at fault, or the lawyers were at fault, or the media was at fault, or the public was at fault, or the jury was at fault, you name it. I pushed back on the topic of the abuse, asking outright whether he ever hit any of his wives. Did you ever hit Stacy? Never. Did you ever hit Kathleen? No, never. Did you ever hit Vicki? No. Did you ever hit Carol? No. The allegations of abuse against you from all of those women, all lies. Well, it depends what they're saying. You know, I mean, it's just like you two can go out in the car and get, get into it. And next day, both of you are going to have a different explanation of what took place. So. Well, three of them at least have said that you were physically abusive. Did all of them lie? Well, if they said that, then they were lying. All of them? Yes. You were never physically abusive ever no, nope. with any of your wives. Mm -mm. Did you kill Stacy? No. Did you kill Kathleen? No. Why does everybody believe you did? People want to believe it. People want to believe that I did something wrong or I killed somebody because it's juicy. A think about it. a policeman killing his wives. That's juicy. People love juicy. Drew Peterson thinks he's in prison because his story is juicy. He is not wrong about the juicy part, but he is completely ignoring the evidence, which convinced an Illinois jury beyond a reasonable doubt that Drew Peterson murdered his third wife, Kathy. And coming up, more of that prison conversation with the convicted murderer, Drew Peterson. Did you know that he has the dubious honor of having an Illinois law named after him? It is true called Drew's Law, a law that actually helped put him away for that murder. And so did the prosecution's star witness, 
That was Stacy Peterson's confidant and spiritual counselor, her pastor. Drew Peterson has a wildly inappropriate theory about him, too. Not surprisingly. But that pastor is live with me next. Fourth wife, Stacy, just up and ran off with another man one day. That's what he said at first. <laughs> but last week, he dropped a completely different theory, uh, that maybe she's hiding out at her sister's place in California. The same sister who's been searching for Stacy since the day Stacy vanished. Drew Peterson thinks Stacy somehow stayed off the radar of the police and of her children and of her family and everybody else for over 16 years. I know, I mean, listen, imagine me having to sit there, right? He also floats another possibility that's even more far-fetched, that Stacy's pastor had eyes for Stacy, quote, a thing for her, as Peterson puts it, and that the pastor and Stacy's lawyer both lied in court about Stacy fearing that her husband might kill her. I want to repeat two key words from that sentence, in court. The pastor and the lawyer were each allowed to give what's called hearsay evidence because of a state law that was passed specifically for this case and for that guy. It is known in Illinois as, wait for it, Drew's Law. And we talked about that, Drew and I, in our interview. I could that? have let all kinds of hearsay going too, but it would have been lies. So it's just like, they're going to lie, they're going to lie. What are you going to do? Does that, are you accusing Stacy's pastor and Stacy's lawyer of, of lying in court? I wouldn't say the pastor was. Well, I think the pastor had a thing for her, to be honest with you, had a thing for Stacy. But uh, they were looking for to get somebody on their side. And not being on the side of a working police officer, is they look at it as a hard thing to beat. Again, are you suggesting that Stacy's lawyer, an officer of the court, and the pastor lied in court under oath about what they say Stacy told them. I believe what Stacy told them is what they were talking about. And that she lied, yeah, that they lie about what she said. I think some of it was exaggerated, but... So you're saying Stacy lied to her pastor and to her lawyer about the things Stacy claims you told her. What did I tell her? What are you talking about? That you killed Kathleen. No, I never said that to her, ever. Never, ever. Stacy also told her pastor, if I disappear or if I'm killed, it's Drew. Okay. Then why did she stay with me? If somebody said that to you, if you had your husband say that to you, would you be staying in that house? She didn't. She's gone. She's disappeared. Who, Stacy? Yeah. Right. But in the meantime, she stayed in the house. The pastor that Drew Peterson was referring to is now here with me live. Neil Shorey was Stacy Peterson's minister. He was also the prosecution's star witness at the trial that convicted Drew Peterson. Um, Neil Shorey, thank you so much for, for being on with me tonight. I'd, I'd love to get your reaction to that claim that you just heard Drew make, that he thinks you had a thing 
for his now missing uh, wife, Stacy. Thank you so much for having me on, Ashley. Um, this is really a, a recycled, extremely tired talking point that Drew brought up first in 2007. Um, he was on a show with uh, Joel Brodsky, his attorney at the time, and he made this claim. And uh, I believe he was on Dan Abrams' show, and Dan actually challenged him and said, um, well, if you have uh, whoever your source is, you need to reveal that. Otherwise, we're not going to allow you to say things like that. And the next day um, or two days later, they had to recant and said, oh, that's not true. Um, we had a um, we had a detective follow Pastor Shorey, and we actually know that he has a good, good marriage, a good relationship. And, and I remember Dan Abrams said to Joel, well, who is your source? And he said, well, actually, it was Drew. <laughs> so that's it just it all fell apart really quickly. So honestly, it's just kind of the tired old story that that Drew's recycling um, and he clearly wants attention, unlike what he said last night to you. Yeah, so react to that. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll anybody who's watching right now who didn't catch it. Um, I asked him, look, you're, you're in there for life. You're never getting out. Even if you have this trial overturned, you got another one that's 40 years long. It's consecutive. You're never getting out of prison. Why not just come clean? Why not just admit it? Why not just lay it all out there? And the innocent person, you would think, would say, because I didn't do it. Um, but that's not what he said. Instead, he said, because I don't want my kids believing that. I don't want my kids knowing that. So what's your reaction to that? Um, I'm not surprised at all by it. Um, Drew seems to be 17 years later, almost 17 years later, the same guy that I saw the last time that I saw him in person. He's older, um, clearly in worse shape, as you guys so aptly pointed out. It's all true, but he, at the core, he seems like the same guy, which is really, really disappointing to not see anybody change, even after spending so much time, so much time in jail and prison. Speaking of that, um, you know, I, uh, I mentioned that part to him, that very important part, which you testified to, which was when you were counseling Stacy. in so many words, I probably overstated it by, you know, um, paraphrasing and saying, if I, if I, if I disappear, it's Drew. Can you tell me what, what it was, um, that Stacy inferred to you, what Stacy said to you, how she characterized her fear of being withdrew and what he had said to her about his third wife's death. Sure, sure. Well, the, the last time that I met with Stacy, she basically told me exactly what happened the night that Kathleen died. And it was she, she gave me details down to when Drew left the house and, and she looked for him and didn't know where he was. She tried to reach him by cell phone to hours later. He came back through uh, into the laundry room and he was wearing all black head to toe. Um, uh, and, and he had a duffel bag with women's clothes in it. And, and Stacy looked in there and realized those weren't hers. So uh, a little bit later, he came to her and he said, uh, really soon the police are going to be here. And if you tell them what I tell you to say, this will be the perfect crime. So a little bit later, the police showed up just like Drew said, and um, they allowed Drew to sit with Stacy while she was being interviewed by the police and giving him the alibi that he told her to give. So, so just an absolutely preposterous situation. Um, so uh, when Stacy told me this, I asked her, what do you want me to do with this information? Um, and the reality was at the time, 
I didn't have any training in domestic violence. I have a master's degree in counseling. I'm a pastor, uh, but I had no training in domestic violence, which is really sad and really wrong. Pastors get trained in domestic violence. Um, but at the time, I didn't know. So I asked her, what do, you, what do you want me to do? And she said, she looked at me. I'll never forget how she looked at me. She said, I just want you to know. And I, I said, I said, Stacy, um, have you told anybody else this information? And she said, no one. And I just, there was just this weighty moment where I realized she's entrusting this really, really dark moment um, that she's now held in for over three years uh, with, to me. And, and I realized, my gosh, this is dark. This is desperate. And I definitely knew what she was suggesting. In my view, um, she knew that he, he was going to kill her just like he had killed Kathleen. Um, and I have no doubt in my mind that that's exactly what he did. So I put that to him, and his response was, well, if that's true, if, uh, if she said that to Pastor Shorey, then why'd she stay? She stayed with me. Why do you think she'd stay? Do you have an answer? Well, I, I mean, at the time, I probably wouldn't have had a great answer, but now after working with hundreds of domestic violence victims, I can tell you that people want to question why victims don't leave, and the reality is the question should be why are abusers abusing so um, there's so many reasons that victims don't leave. Um, they don't have finances. They've been belittled for years. Um, they've been told that nobody else would want them. I'm guessing that Stacy went through a whole lot of those things that I've seen um, in victims over the last 15 years. So that's what I would guess is that he wore her down and he groomed her. She was 17 and he was 47 when they got together. Inappropriate no matter what the state of Illinois says age of consent is technically 17. We all know now, um, post uh, the Me Too movement and, and all, these, all, all these exposés that are out there about abuse of power and authority. And, and we can confidently say that it is wrong when someone is in a position of authority and they use that authority to control another person. And I know that's exactly what Drew Peterson did with Stacy and all of his other wives. And I'll tell you what, Neil, I, uh, I specifically asked my questions in a certain order. And I said, um, were you intimate with Stacy when you first met her? And he said, yes. And I said, she was 16. And he said, she was 17. And I said, no, she was 16. And then he changed his story to suggest he'd... Anyway, listen, um, Neil, it's so nice of you to, to join me. Um, I'm, j I'm just sort of bewildered by a lot of the things that uh, Drew Peterson has said. We'll have to stay in touch in case there is a, you know, a movement in this case. And if he gets a new trial, you and I'll have to meet again. Thanks for this. I, w I would love that. Thank you so much, Ashley. Pastor Neil Shorey uh, joining me on the uh, Drew Peterson story. I have a little, another little nugget, a little nugget that, uh, that Drew Peterson told me. I'm going to tell you a little later on this week. It's kind of very timely. It was very newsworthy. But there's also this. Where is Wendy Williams? It is the title of a new documentary that's really shaking the world of entertainment. In it, the former talk show megastar appears frail and confused and clearly in a diminished mental state. You know, here's an example from her talk show, The Wendy Williams Show. All I'm saying is I want to whisper in your ear behind the scenes. Just saying. This was the beginning of it all. She talked about cats just out of the blue. But in the documentary, how were cameras even allowed to roll? Where was her guardian? 
the woman tasked with protecting Wendy from alcohol and drugs and from predators and even from herself. Why heads may actually roll over this. Next. You know, this is, um, it's really like a documentary that is shaking the foundation of the entertainment business. And it's got people asking, when should all access be off limits, even if a megastar invites the cameras in? For the last two years, talk show host Wendy Williams has mostly been out of sight as rumors of her declining mental and physical health have gone viral. Her talk show was canceled after she took an indefinite leave when the cameras caught her acting erratically and after admitting to addiction. But now Wendy Williams has resurfaced in a jarring documentary. Jarring. It's called Where is Wendy Williams? It's airing on Lifetime. Uh, Wendy herself is billed as the executive producer. And the crew that came in was told that they were going to be documenting her big comeback. But there is nothing flattering about this documentary. Quite the opposite. The cameras discovered that Wendy Williams was fragile and unsteady very confused, and at times embarrassingly aggressive, cruel, mean. And most people are asking how a crew was even allowed to document her in this state, given that she's under a conservatorship. It's a good question, isn't it? As the executive producer, Wendy Williams would have had to sign a contract to start filming, something a guardian should have, could have prevented. The series premiered on Saturday, just two days after it was revealed that Williams is suffering from primary progressive aphasia and frontotemporal dementia. These are both progressive and incurable neurological conditions. The documentary crew says they were never told in advance about the Wendy Williams that they would encounter, but here is who they found. So where are you on your journey right now? What do you want right now? Well, I'm glad that I'm free from the Wendy Williams show. So now I can absolutely pull this down and show my boobs. You, you understand what I'm saying? Can I show you? <laughs> well, no, you don't need to. Okay. <laughs> well, who is well here? My sexy best friend for life. <laughs> I love you, you know. <laughs> can you, can you please come? Please. <laughs> I'm crying in a good way. In a good way. Uh, New York. Yes, ma'am. Find a bait. We're going to find it right now. Sean has the address. It's right near the Wendy Williams show. This is not the blue that I go to. And this person does another Wendy Williams show. Why did it take so long? Well, he couldn't find the right one, and this is the only one he had. I hope this is the right one you need. First of all, you didn't go past the Wendy Williams show or the Chevy Shepard show. We're going to go past there now. Yeah. All right. That's where we need to go past. Uh, is that the correct one? That's all he said he had. He said that's what you usually get. What the is this? This is... Open the... I don't even know what the is. Okay, because if not, he told me to bring it right back in. Go past the Wendy Williams show. Go past 
the Sherry Shepherd show. This is on 26th Street. Give, me the Give the back, please. Give it back. And don't take more than two seconds. Go! Five! Pass the Wendy Williams show. Thanks. It's the third time we win. Excuse me? Can you drive a little bit faster? And, and you know, we won't get uh, stopped by the police. I'm famous. And I never go out. And everything that I have on is delicious. Here's the Wendy Williams show right here on your left. Look, look Wendy, over here. That's the Wendy Williams show. Okay. Stay right. Stay right. This is the same. Yeah, this is the one we were just at. Oh, my God. Okay, driver. Uh-huh. I said go past the Wendy Williams show. We did that. We just did that. Do it again. <laughs> Do it again. It seems like Wendy really struggles with expressing herself. Are you concerned about that? She does this in her sleep. So that's why I don't understand when people have doubt. That's why I ask you the question. I don't understand where the doubt comes from when you have someone who has done this for 20 years straight. The media is anxious for the podcast. Okay. Your, the fans want Wendy and they're asking about it. So so are we there right now? Are we able to, are you able to give me a date so we can kind of run with it? I can't give you a date. I'm constantly fighting the media. Even if we could somewhat start shooting the pilot, if that's okay, but I feel like we should start moving towards figuring out who Wendy w- would like to interview, what that needs to look like. All I'm saying is I want to whisper in your ear behind the scenes. Just saying. Well, I have cats. I love them. And they, they need stuff. And I've noticed stuff about them during this pandemic that maybe cats need stuff. Give me one coat, please. You only want? Okay. Yes, just one. Oh, oh God. What are you doing? Uh, this just make sure that the, the coat no. adheres. No, nope. take this off. Okay. You said the same thing. Take that off. Are you stupid? She's disgusted with me. That's okay. Young, they'll learn. So I bought the stability stick for you, right? Because I want you to be able to start doing stuff like stepping up on things. This is pretty tall, but... No, thank right? you. You're no, gonna, thank you. You're not going to do this. No, thank you. But I want you over time to be able to... No, thank you. Well, you don't want to climb the stair? I can only feel 6% of each foot. What movements are you willing to do? Things that I don't fall down. You're gonna fall. This is gonna help you with stability. Excuse me, sir. Yes. Let's try something else. I want you to feel good. I do. I want you to move however you want to move. That yeah, feels to, good. I want you to be able push, to do push this in. So this glue. P- push this. This butt is stronger than that. Push side. this in. This is stronger. No, do it right here. This is stronger than the other side. The producers of the series have been accused of exploiting Wendy Williams, but they insist that they too were blindsided by her condition, and that Wendy herself was the boss, the executive producer, surrounded by that willing staff that you saw. So who is to blame here? Her family seems genuinely concerned about her welfare and upset with her entourage, the ones that seem to think that she's got some comeback, a podcast or a show. Wendy has a court-appointed guardian since May of 2022, and her name is Sabrina Morrissey. And that guardian is supposed to be protecting Wendy, even from herself. After the break, might that guardian now be in trouble with the law? That's next.
stiff muscles, or problems thinking, as these may be life-threatening. Sleepiness is the most common side effect. It's nice. People focus more on me. Ask your doctor about number one prescribed once daily in Gressa. A revealing new docuseries about Wendy Williams is being slammed by the critics for revealing that the former daytime talk show host is now infirm, often irrational, and seemingly incapable of thinking clearly or acting in her own best interest. Case in point, Wendy Williams is the executive producer. She invited a camera crew to document her so-called big comeback, but that is not what they discovered. For their part, the crew said they never tried to exploit anyone and would have scrapped the project had they known that she was diagnosed with dementia. They say that once they realized her condition, they felt compelled to stay, fearing for William's safety if they left her with her entourage. But maybe most importantly, Williams had a guardian, a woman ordered by the state to keep Wendy Williams safe, even from herself. And where was that guardian? And is she to blame? Earlier, I spoke with Diane Diamond, an award-winning journalist and the author of the book, We're Here to Help, when guardianships go wrong. Here's our conversation. Diane, I, I feel like I have a different take than everybody else. I don't blame the documentarians for this documentary. They were invited by Wendy Williams as an executive producer to document her comeback. And I think they were gobsmacked by what they found. I blame the guardian who was supposed to be guarding Wendy from the people around her and from herself. Am I wrong? Right. No, I, I completely agree with you. And I'll give you a little inside information. I learned from insiders that this crew went to document her life after the talk show. And what they found was shocking. And I am told that the crew members talked to the Guardian several times and said, are you sure we should be here? Do you want to come and check her? We think something's wrong. And they were told, oh, yeah, go ahead. So, no, I don't blame the documentarians. In fact, I'm glad we're all talking about the evils of guardianship. And that's what happens under guardianship. The guardian gets a whole bunch of money. All of Wendy's money and property went into the guardian's name. And then they're supposed to protect them. Well, how is she protected? This is why I feel. Yeah. I feel like they were in there. Exactly. Thank you. They were in there for a year. This wasn't one slip up in comes a crew. And I could understand that. I feel like this is a dereliction of duty on the on the part of the of the guardian. And that not only should this guardian be fired from the position that she's in, but I think she should be charged for neglect because I feel like this is the kind of neglect that has destroyed it. I mean, it's, it's destroyed the, the legacy of this, you know, remarkable talent. And I think if Wendy were her former self, she would be mortified to know that she was allowed to do this. She's not, li- by literal, you know, legal definition, competent to enter into contracts to be an executive producer like this. Right, right. I, I, I can't argue with you because I agree with every single thing you just said. Look, guardianship is supposed to be a system where vulnerable people like Brittany and Wendy and artist Peter Max, and I can name a whole bunch, are to be protected. They're vulnerable. Well, how how was it protected to let that woman go out, get drunk in public, fall asleep in, in a retail store, go into gay bars until four o'clock in the morning by herself? How was that? Where was the guardian for all of that time? Now, the guardian may tell you, well, I was just in charge of their finances. No, I don't buy that at all. A guardian is in this instance, I believe this guardian was in charge of everything, all the personal, all the medical and all the financial. 
Well, and she is the executive producer in the credit at the very beginning of this documentary series, which means that Wendy Williams would have had to sign a contract. And why a guardian didn't come in and say, who are these people around you? The manager, the publicist, all these people who said, Wendy's fine. She knows her limit when it comes to drinking. She's fine as a talent. She can do this with her eyes closed. She firmly could not. It was so obvious for anybody who had eyeballs, she could not. And what about her family? I have had discussions with Wanda, the sister, and they're beside themselves. They have no idea where Wendy is. And Wanda agreed in the beginning, yes, I'll be the guardian. And then, as she said in the documentary, boom, the door closed, and I haven't seen my sister since. How's that protecting Wendy? Well, I want to know if charges are coming, you know, I agree. I want to see if charges are coming down the pike or some kind of penalty for this guardian who I believe was derelict in in her duties. Diane Diamond, thank you, as always, for for being the voice of reason and for your deep research into this topic. You bet. Again, Diane's book is called We're Here to Help When Guardianship Goes Wrong. And still to come, the man accused of beating a Georgia nursing student to death is caught on camera throwing away bloody clothes and other evidence. Now the neighbors are describing what he used to do as women jogged by the apartment where he lived and how Lakin Riley jogged by that very morning. The eyewitness account next. The man charged with murdering a Georgia nursing student last week tried to get rid of bloody clothes in the trash cans behind his own apartment complex, the neighbors say. The witnesses tell News Nation that Jose Ibarra was seen on a number of doorbell and surveillance videos, stashing evidence and trying to cover his tracks, and that those videos are now in the hands of the police. The neighbors say Ibarra would regularly sit outside the complex watching people come and go, a complex right next to the running trail where Lakin Riley's body was found. One of those neighbors spoke exclusively with our Alex Capriello, but asked that we don't reveal her name. He took all of the evidence. He was on camera with the bloody clothes in the bag. He didn't cover up to that bus stop right there in the trash can. That dumpster. There were two dumpsters back there, and then they put them in the woods. I don't know what it was, but they were back there yesterday with them almost up. Jose Ibarra is an illegal immigrant from Venezuela. The police are convinced that he and the victim did not know each other. His brother has also been arrested and charged with using a fake green card. We're going to continue to watch that case for you. In the meantime, that is it for us tonight. Thank you for being with us. Stay tuned. Chris Cuomo is coming up next. Hey, everybody, I'm Chris Cuomo. So who came out and who did not come out and why in Michigan's big time primary? Right. That's a swing state. Any way you look at it, the polls are closing now. They all close at nine o'clock. So we're going to be getting the results on our watch. When we get them, we'll give them to you. What are the key questions? Was Biden punished by the outsized Arab population there for supporting Israel? Does that matter if he was? Is there any stopping the Trump train? Tonight is going to show if Haley is a real alternative. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. 
And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.